we're going to sing the praises of copy editors and talk about burnout, which copy editors might be feeling today on Ditch Diggers. And ain't no one if he's here With some not so nice advice So your writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch Diggers Ditch Diggers! And coming to you live from the Ditch Diggers Manor Tube Station, it is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty and guest host Alistair Stewart. Hello, Alistair. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. That's Thank good you to hear. Me on. It's it's always always nice to, to pop in and be an emergency Matt. Not even an emergency, be a reserve Matt. Yeah, you were you were planned Matt. You were planned months ago. I, I'm I'm scheduled Wallace. Yes, exactly. But the Boston Wallaces is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you also have beautiful flowers behind you. I just noticed that. Thank you, Marguerite. Absolutely post those deliberately because she thought you might like them. I don't believe you. That's, I will. I'll ask her. <laughs> All right, uh, so we are back with the Ditch Diggers. Hopefully I have not screwed up the sound again. Every, the, everybody in chat says it sounds okay, and Hooray. my mm, rudimentary self-taught understanding of audio looks like it sounds okay, so we move on. Um, what I've been working on lately has to do with what we're talking about today, which is writing on book two and editing book one. Which <laughs> I'll talk about in a minute, but uh, work work proceeds on my novel. Um, working title: Swarm of Cuckoos. I have no idea what marketing is going to if marketing is going to approve that or not. But um, it's uh, that's what I'm calling it. So, what are you up to, Alistair? That you can talk about, or you could just say writing. I, I have th- I have three things going on at the moment. I think one of them I can probably talk about. Uh, the two that I can't talk about, uh, and I'm erring on the side of caution. There is a project that's going really well, and it's going even better. Now I'm about to receive an editor. Yay! We like editors. And, and, and I really want to plant a flag on this because also was hopefully scooching around the tendency to be a little self-deprecating but the thing you have to remember with every writer is we all have a tendency to have too much fun mm-hmm. and that's great because it's always easier to cut back on fun than it is to uh, add the fun but i've had a couple of instances with this project where i've handed stuff in and, and the the producers for uh, for it have gone uh, it's a bit too much fun. Could it be like thirty percent less fun? And because this because this is a very new endeavor, they don't have an editor yet. This has made me want to kick things. But uh, I apparently have an editor coming on board this week, which I'm really excited about. Oh, this week! Awesome. That's great. So I have that. Um, I also have a novella, which I'm going to err on the side of caution and say I, I'm not quite allowed to say who I'm delivering it for, which I need to do a lot of research for. 
uh, as the drafting process on that begins. And again, the too much fun incident instance is very much in effect because I know exactly what the four things that need to go into this are. And I have a pretty good idea of the 25 things which will go into the first draft of this. But thankfully, this is for a project that already has an editor in place who will go, yeah, these are pretty much the 25 things I was expecting you to put in there. Take them out, and then it will be better. <laughs> You're expecting them to take out all 25 fun things? Uh, maybe 22. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a polite... I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was very ego-boosting. I got a polite solicitation from... Um, uh, somebody I'd worked with before, and they asked for, what was it, a concentrated cast of characters, which I still don't quite understand, but I think they mean, you gave us too many characters last time. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I'm guessing. So, like, let's pull in the florist, let's pull in the laundry person, let's pull in the evil monk, and uh, <laughs> apparently side people were not approved upon and now that i think about the project itself that makes sense but anyway um we're gonna get to burnout but i need to talk about the thing that's like right in front of my mind that is just getting to me so station eternity my book coming out in october is about a woman who basically angela lansbury or um you know father brown a lot of murders happen around her and she has to solve them only i've decided to look at it like she is treated like a pariah nobody trusts her nobody likes her nobody wants her around because when she comes around people die and that's the thing i've based this on so she's already she's like mid-season because she's already experienced 15 murders and I wrote the book, and then I edited the book, and then I wrote down every murder and when they happened, and who they were, because a lot of them are referenced in the book. Like, even just a small reference, but if I say, murder four was this person and happened this year, murder five was this person and happened two years later, and then, like, later on in the book, I mention murder five and say it's someone else, or that it happened four years later, and I got... I want to sing the praises of my copy editor. I hear a lot of authors complain about copy editors, but mine is incredibly thorough in that they caught, you said this was this on that page, and this was this on that page. But if I change it to fix the things they've told me to fix, it's got the ripple effect on the other murders that I'm going to have to find and change. And I'm thinking, why the hell didn't I just say... A couple of years later, I haven't seen you in a long time. You know how long I've been in prison? This exact amount of time. I mean, I don't need to say that. I could just say a while, a decade or so. But no, I had to say this happened two years ago and this happened three years ago. And I just want to go back. It's like 2020 Murr and Slapper. Because what the hell was I thinking? It's like the cross-referencing is not working. I'm even using... A timeline, uh, I'm using a timeline um, program. One second. Oh, sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm using a timeline program that I like a lot. It's called uh, Aeon Timeline. Aeon Timeline? Aeon Timeline? A-O-N. Sorry, I was telling Chad that the um, we were doing 
the the program was called Eon Timeline or Aeon Timeline. I'm not sure. A E O N, and it's it's quite useful. But I didn't use it at the right time of writing. So luckily, this time I'm using it for book two to describe everything that's happened. But um, yeah, I'm having to look at that, and I'm having to sometimes edit that, and sometimes edit the book, and really hope it comes out smoothly and. I don't even know what I have to say about copy editors because a lot of times copy editors do kind of try to fix things in their own voice or say a thing that you honestly feel is very, very clear and they say they're confused or they try to take something you're saying subtle and insist you write on the nose and... Um, I've heard so many horror stories from friends, and I'm not even sure the name of my copy editor, but I need to find out who they are and send them something, because going through my book and finding, okay, you just said 50 pages back that this was the fourth murder, now you're saying it was the fifth murder. You're saying this happened two years ago, and clearly it happened three years ago, and I just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to future Murr, even like Murr in a couple of hours who has to go back to it. I'm sorry to the copy editor who had to cross-reference all of this shit. And just say, guys, unless it really matters, don't put dates in there. Don't put exactly two years ago this happened, unless it really matters, and you don't need to cross-reference a bunch of shit. You talk now, Alistair. I'm this sad. is it's it's really interesting to to hear you talk about this through a couple of different ways. Firstly, because I'm I'm right there with you. You know, there's a thing in in the novel I'm putting together at the moment, which is an event that is vitally important, and I'm not quite sure where it hits because different people seem to remember it. And secondly, yes. and I hope this is of comfort to both you and everyone listening. It is not just you. Um. The various flotillas of Star Trek, which are occurring at the moment, have been doing something really interesting with the way that particular events shift. Um, the first episode of Strange New Worlds, which I've, I haven't seen yet, which is why there is still moisture in my body having not happy cried for 45 minutes, um, very specifically dials in on the eugenics wars, which are a very well-established part of Star Trek lore and makes it clear that they happened later than everyone previously thought. They were called two or three different things. They're connected to a couple of actual real-world events we've experienced, something which the second season of Picard that's just finished also plays with a little bit, and makes it clear that because this is a mass trauma event, history is fuzzy. And I think that if I, that's kind of my big take-home when dealing with big universe-defining events. History is fuzzy. Not everyone remembers this stuff. And it happens differently to different people in different places. I always remember the the Sarah Connor Chronicles, the much missed, remarkably existential Terminator TV show, which had a character show up in the second season who returns from the future to back up the the existing cast. And everyone's really surprised when the folks who came back from the future in the first season compare notes with her and find out that her judgment day happened in a different time period. So do you think this is authors just covering their asses and retconning? I think there is an inherent conflict between the need to have everything intimately laid out and the need that's... Uh, the power of the word cause, because sometimes you just want a story to work that way because it does. 
And I think the, the biggest challenge we have as creatives a lot of the time is not making sure everything is accurate, because that's dull. It's making sure everything is accurate enough that everyone is comfortable with it, but also to give you enough wiggle room to have some fun. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I've got one character, my main character, solving a murder and remembering it as her fourth murder. But on the timeline, it appears as the tenth, and there's somebody who was involved in that, and in their timeline, it happens four years before they met the person they murdered. And so, <laughs> I think I have to fix that one. That... Uh that one, yeah, you kind of yeah. got to address. Yeah. Yeah, just, it's a mess. It's just... Oh, God. Yeah. And they're even just... Just mentioned. Just like... But it's it's like some of it happened in college, and some of, ha some of them happened after college, and some of them happened before she moved and after she moved, and I got to make sure that it's all right. And why did I do this? Look, if you, if you beta-read my next thing for me and you find anything regarding dates or numbers, fly over here and smack me. I'll pay for the ticket. I, I, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I will do it. Yeah. So, um, you know, not, not, nobody in publishing is infallible, of course, but um, if you get a good copy editor... They deal with a lot of shit, so maybe you should thank them. So uh, that's my message for the day. Uh, don't use a copy editor, and don't don't use numbers. But you know, if the copy editor is trying to do weird stuff like really change your voice, stand up to them. You don't have to follow their guidelines. You don't have to. Um, I think that's another thing that people don't realize. Like new writers think that they have to take the the boilerplate contract they get instead of negotiating you don't have to do that and, and you know when you get a small press deal maybe agents won't be interested in you but you still have to sign a contract always negotiate and in the same way when the edits come you don't have to do everything they say they're professional editors they've probably got at least a couple good points but you don't have to that's why they invented the word stet which is if i ever got a knuckle tattoo it would say stet I just don't know what I put on the other hand. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. What does Seth actually mean? I have no idea. It took me a while to re realize that TK was not a poorly written to come, but it means uh, it's an easy thing to search for because the only word I can think of that has those two letters next to each other in the English language is pocket knife. Uh, apparently, stet stands for is is meant to mean let it stand, used as an instruction on a printer proof to indicate that a marked alteration should be ignored. Yes. Okay. Good. That's it. So I've learned something today. Yay! Awesome. And you know, like you said, you're you're excited to have an editor. You know, six weeks would not have been what it was without my editor. That's I fully admit that it's it's a good book. And it's a lot better now than the thing I turned in. I mean, I came up with all the things, but they did a lot of guidance. 
it is, I mean, we were talking about this before we went on air, it is the very, very weird thing about all creative endeavors and writing in particular in that it is built in individualism, but it's finished as a team. Mm-hmm. That you writing the best book you can isn't you writing the book that's on the shelf. It's you writing the best book you can, which the editor then works with you to make better. And the copy editor works with you to make sure that the murders all line up. And the cover artist works with you to get the best possible cover. And the marketing department hopefully work with you to get some actual marketing. And it's all good. (laughs) I'm sorry. In chat, Badger Hub says, I thought Stet met Station Eternity. I like it. I like it. I think it works. It does now. It does now. So I should get it on both knuckles. One of them to be Let It Stand, one of them to be Station Eternity. Uh, I think you should get ST on this hand and ET on this hand and just go full Aussie style. You're considering it. I can see you thinking about it. No, I think I think I want two words. I, I don't want, like, large large things around my knuckles. That sounds... I don't want one one character, especially since since I don't always make a fist. I don't. Um, Title it, of your autobiography. <laughs> I don't always make a fist. Right. No laughity. I like it. Yes. Yeah. So the 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 letters would look really weird cut up as I move my fingers around. So you have to have one. So I have to come up with another good four letter word that's not vulgar. I'll just go ahead and say that. My, my brain was went, ah, oh. Yeah, sorry. I, I, know, I know some of the people around me. <laughs> but you also wanted to talk about burnout in publishing, and Matt and I discussed the mass exodus of burnout, um, burnt out yeah. assistant editors who did a lot of great work and were told they couldn't uh, get a promotion or a pay raise at all for several years. It's it's not even like now. It's like for several. One woman was told for several years, um, and a lot of them just left. And now now the executives are going to find somebody else to have to tell them how to turn on their email. Yep, exactly. Please print this PDF. How I don't know. Mm-hmm. What is it? I don't know. Yeah, burnout. I mean, this story has resurfaced again because on the ninth, the bookseller, which is a title both for an industry and one which it weighs, if it's, things keep going the way they are, will be marketed to the sole individual left selling books. Um, published a piece about a survey uh, concerning industry wide burnout. What it found is that 89% of those who responded had experienced stress during the course of their work over the last year, and 69% have reported burnout. Now, they through this net pretty wide this is just a publishing industry um survey and i'm going to give you another couple of percentages from it the survey showed 38 percent of respondents wanted to leave their job an assistant editor who's worked in the industry for four years said they loved their job but were working more than two extra hours a day not even to catch up but to fall behind less the majority of respondents 67 percent, said they felt supported by their manager but that little could be done to change their heavy workloads which were causing the stress in the first place and i think that's really the point which we need to pull out here because i've been on the show enough times by this point that you all probably know i'm the guy that goes yeah this is bad but everything's going to be all right this is not that time i've been in positions where the stress has made me physically ill I am acutely aware of the fact that we are two years into a global pandemic and we're also 
definitely on the downward slope into all kinds of fun climate change. And dystopia is no longer a misnamed YA category. There's no comfort in saying this, but I think it needs to be said out loud. And this is probably the most Wallacean I will sound in any of my appearances, but it's not you. Every single system is broken. Every single one. It's been broken for decades, and we just deal with it as best we can. And in a normal global theater, that's just bad. Right now, that is within sight of impossible. And the thing which I find heartening and disheartening in equal measure is we absolutely have the capacity to change this. We just don't feel like we can. What do you mean by we? Who's we? Everyone. No, no, I mean, no. I, I just really, it's like are the people listening, the people who feel like I am a small fish in a pond, and if they're not published, they probably don't think that they've, they're in the pond yet. So, uh, yes, everybody can do the change, but what if you're just talking to us? If you, if you mean what can you do right now, it's really simple. If you have access to an indie bookseller, buy from them. Okay. Be all right with the fact that a book will take two to three weeks longer to pick up a lot of the time. Um, if you are part of a publication or if you are an author who is working with a team, send your copy editor flowers. <laughs> you know, just you know, be a, make your, make everyone who works with you aware of the fact that you are aware they are working with you, and that not that to borrow a phrase from a terrible human being, the status is not quo. Because that has to be the first stage. I'm a Brit. I am genetically conditioned to do two things, three in fact. The first is Q. The second is assume that I deserve everything that's happening to me. And the third is just keep calm and carry on. I hate that phrase more than very nearly everything in the world, other than the, 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 the joke that circulated endlessly yesterday where people were going, oh, but look, the new Doctor Who is a black, probably gay man. This, that's just a woke agenda. Ha, 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 he's Scottish. I was joking because he's Scottish. And that, with a couple of exceptions, made me want to gouge my own eyes out. He's the third Scottish actor to play the role in a very short period of time. Oh. That, was the, the, that was meant to be the joke. Uh, oh. and, it, and instead it was the type of Gervaisian edgelord bullshit nonsense that just hurls the planet and iota closer to the sun every time one of us does this. The empowerment we have, the opportunity we have to empower ourselves and to make changes really simple and really difficult, and it will feel like nothing is being done. And it's this, we can't take anything for granted. And in a professional environment, that especially means the people we work with and the organizations we work with. I'll, I'll pull from my own experience. I've been triaging uh, my job for a month. I could have got this editor a month ago if I wasn't frantically trying to put this stuff together. Mm -hmm. That's not me blaming that myself. I'm not doing anything wrong. And I'm a Brit. Me saying that out loud, that's big, right? I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, everything's a lot all the time in every single theater of operation we all work in and it's really easy to just slap a field dressing on the wound and shove yourself back out the door don't do that what i'm trying to do more and more is be mindful of the people i work with and for and make sure that they're okay and when stuff happens 
either work against it or work around it. Now, what I mean by work against it is, like I said, it's really, really tempting to order stuff from Amazon. And a lot of the time it's compulsory, especially with books, because if you've got Prime, it shows up the next day and it's great. And there's a little dopamine hit. We've all been trapped at home for three years. God knows we need those. Yeah. But if you can order from an indie bookshop, and I know there's like 25, but if you can do it, it helps because it keeps a small business in business and it shows that it can be done and it teaches everyone who hears about it whether you talk about the book or whether they talk about the book or whether just you doing this keeps their lights on a little while longer the survivability ratio increases over time and that is where i find my hope these days not in collective action live in a country which is currently in the grip of a scandal concerning the leader of a political party who didn't have a meal, didn't have a Christmas party because it was cancelled, and is somehow uh, had to say he will resign if he's found to have broken the rules. The rules that the Prime Minister of the country broke 15 times after he wrote them. Well, rules are for other people, Alistair. I... Every politician knows that. Right. I have not had faith in large-scale organizations since I was 15 because my parents were a nurse and a teacher in the UK growing up in the 1990s, which means they were people who were actively targeted. Their mental health was actively targeted by a government that hated their professions. And from a professional point of view, from my professional point of view, 2019 was basically, for me, that scene in Airplane where there's the hysterical passenger and someone tries to reason with her and calm her down, and then the next person just slaps her and there's the line of people with ever more terrifying weapons. Yeah, the, the, the had, pipe wrench. Yeah, I yes. remember the pipe wrench. I had four separate name organizations, organizations which are regularly held up in conversations I promise you pretty much all of you have had as the designated grown-ups in the room. Tread on me. I remember. Actively damaged my emotional and psychological health. And it took a full year to come out the other side of that. I was very, very angry for a very long time. And I had my reasons. Now, I'm doing a very good job of practicing targeted optimism. I'm a very optimistic human being. I believe every problem we have, we can solve. But we have to solve it. And we do that via tiny actions. You buy from an indie bookstore. You make sure the people that work with you and for you and are appreciated. You throw belligerent kindness out into the world. You make that part of professionalism. Not the bullshit, chest-pounding, turfy, incel nonsense that's been circulating on Twitter about, well, I think highly talented people don't really need high-paid jobs and a sensible work-life balance. No, Chad, the people who you're talking... Yeah, seriously, this was a, a tweet yesterday. I just looked at it and went, no, Chad, the people that you're talking about are just the people who are terrified of you. You're allowed to be a human. You're allowed to take breaks. Yeah. And you're allowed to tell people who you work with that they're appreciated. The only system I still have faith in is the system of individual small-scale communities, communities like the one you have on Twitch, like the one we have Mm -hmm. on Twitch, communities like the digital publishers which have sprung up in the, it turns out, 15 or so years since podcasting was invented, isn't it? (laughs) 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 
Yeah, just 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 push the button. Do you know where the button is? Just push it. Just, just, just you have it. Just push the button. You, you tell me tell tell me what podcasts actually are now. Tell tell me tell me their audio programs on the internet. Tell me that. Did, did you know you can circulate PDFs through them? No, nobody knows that except for me because no one listens to me. <laughs> I delivered an entire book via PDF. God damn it. So I mean, this, this is kind of, this uh, is, yes. is kind of, kind of my, my my big take home from the publishing thing. Ultimately, it boils down to two choices. There's the nihilistic one, which is the best way that we can change all this is everything just breaks. And I'd love that on some level. I would love to see an the, an industry just completely rebuild itself, but I don't think that's something which we can do. So I think we rebuild it ourselves and we rebuild it through individual kindness and personal responsibility. And that's really difficult. And that's a much larger conversation than one we can have here. But in a professional and industrial setting, I think that's one of the very few conversations everyone has to have. How can you help? How can you build other people up? How can you trust other people to build you up? Um, when we did our spoilers club book club, uh, I need to edit that and put it in the feed. Um, we, one thing that Lily put in her book, and it, I, I should have told her this because it really did not read like a debut. Um, you should read it, Alistair. I know you're a, you're a fast reader, but uh, cool. this is the this is uh, one for all by Lily Lanoff. It's the um, it's in my pile. Can't wait for it. Okay, well, one thing they cover in the book, and she, you know, she had to to boil it down and put it into the mouths of teenagers is okay. The monarchy sucks. And it's awful. But if we allow these people to take down the monarchy, the little people are the ones who are going to suffer. Yeah. So we're upholding a crappy system because we don't want that system to fall and make things much worse. And, um, you know, like one of them actively hates the king. And, you know, but she knows that defending him is part of her job as a musketeer, but also, you know, it, it's status quo ain't great, but it could get a lot worse. Yep, and, absolutely. Um, you know, when you say, let it all, let it all die, let it all burn, it's the little people who are going to suffer. You know, it's like you, you know, someone, someone screws their assistant. There's a big, big scandal. They're giving millions of dollars and told to go home. I mean, you, you, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what the, the executives rich get away with. It's unbelievable. The, the example I always find, put myself in, always that situation, that, that particular situation which reminds me of his bull the Michael Weatherly vehicle where they I think season three season four they made a huge deal out of announcing Eliza Dushku was joining the cast as a regular she lasted two episodes because it turns out he harassed her and as near as I can tell she basically went I can break your face or I can leave which would you like and it took three years for her to be given a ridiculously small sum of money, relatively speaking, during which time the show remained on the air and has just finished its seven season run, which means it lives forever. Yay, let's go back to the good news. I'm sorry I got off on a rant. It's not 
this is this is kind of the large matter point I'm trying to make, which is it's really easy to get horribly bummed out by this stuff because we are presented we're surrounded by a horrifying tapas of awful at any given time. It's all those crappy little bits of shark, which are fairly certainly just rats that's been shredded, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's always hope. And there's always hope, and that always sits in individuals and in how individuals form relationships. Because you're right, pretty much all these situations and all these industries are broken at the genetic level. But if we're going to live in ruins, we can decorate them. And if enough, and if, if enough of them, de if enough of us decorate them, then sooner or later we're going to start renovating them. And once we start renovating them, that's when you start to see change. I mean, if you want me to tear something from the headlines, I will absolutely do it. The fact that the next doctor is a Rwandan Scot called Shuti Gatwa, who is magnificent in the Netflix show Sex Education. I mean, Gillian Anderson is in that cast, and you notice Shuti Gatwa. That's how good he is. Mm. He has scenes with Gillian Anderson, and you notice he's on screen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm you pretty know? sure she carried the whole of Crooked House on her own. I don't think there were any other actors in that movie. I have never seen a more a more deeply endearing power move than when she was asked if she was coming back for the X-Files season 12. And she just went, oh, no. <laughs> but from my perspective, from the cultural perspective of, of someone living in England, the fact that the Doctor is not a crusty old white dude, again, is massive. Because, and with, I mean, I could go into hugely obtuse Doctor Who stuff here, but I, I, I won't do. Um, the Cliff Notes version of it is the current version of the canon very successfully establishes that the Doctor has been lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Which means the Doctor can be anybody. Which means the Doctor can look like anybody. And that's the most important thing. That means the Doctor can, anybody can see themselves in the Doctor. And this is, I would argue, the most important thing that creatives do. It's not just that it is our responsibility to make a fair living for ourselves and not be colossal dickholes. It is also our responsibility to cast seeds forward into the future that we will never, ever know have borne fruit, but we have to trust ourselves that they do. I promise you, when the, when the 14th Doctor makes their first appearance, there will be kids out there who will be so inspired by that, that 20 years later they're working in television. And I yeah. promise you, none of them are going to be, very few of them are going to be cis at white dudes. And that's the point. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, I... I if, if you think Alistair is exaggerating... It's not even a little bit. Um, shit, who who was it? There's there's a there's a movie star who was inspired by Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek. When she saw a black woman on the screen, she thought, "Oh, I can do that." And she did that to a lot of black girls. Yeah. So many black girls saw the potential of either television or science fiction or space by this one woman who had a kind of small role. And, uh, yeah, and, and when people see their sexuality or their gender or their uh, religion even on screen in a book, it makes them feel less alone. I never thought I could write science fiction until I read Dragonflight and A Wrinkle in Time. 
both written by women with women protagonists. I never even thought it. I wanted to be a writer, but it was never science fiction and fantasy until I read those books and thought, oh, hell yeah. I viscerally remember seeing Ghostbusters for the first time when I was old enough to understand what I was seeing. And, I mean, I, the initial response I had was the initial response a lot of people had, which was, Venkman's awesome. And then you watch the movie as, a, as an adult and you go, Venkman's a sex pest. But the, the second response that I had, which stuck, stuck with me my whole life, was I looked at Egon and I was like, that, he looks like me. Mm-hmm. He's tall and physically kind of big and has glasses and is, is softly spoken and knows stuff. That's me. The power of seeing yourself, the power of seeing yourself represented in fiction of any form is unlike anything else on Earth. I do want to look at chat real quick because we got uh, Shauna's pointing out that it was Whoopi Goldberg who is now on Star Trek herself. Right. And back on Picard. Um, and uh, where did it go? Sorry. Oh, Underpope says Black Astronaut Mae Jemison says she was inspired yep. by Nichelle Nichols as well. That's awesome. Thank you guys for putting that in. Um Yes, people, it's also important to see people to see couples like them getting happy endings. There's something really powerful about that, which is why if you have a non-straight person in your book... Don't kill them. Don't kill them. Please don't kill them. Maybe see what they can, like... Yeah, maybe even give them a happy ending. There's, there's, I, I talk about it, it's a, it's a small part of the book, but it is a definite part of the book. In the third book of the Scythe trilogy, there's a non-binary person who, spoiler, is in a love story. And, um, I just thought that was amazing. The, I can pull in an interesting example of how to absolutely not do that from recent popular culture as well. The fourth season of Killing Eve does not so much fail at landing as the wings come off and it just belly flops onto the ground. Oh. Um, the Without going into, into spoilers, the single most predictable, most obvious thing it can possibly do, it doesn't just do. It does after saying, oh, we're not going to do that. Oh. This has been so, so abysmally handled. The writer of the original novellas has very publicly gone, yeah, that's not happening. Give me about eight months. <laughs> Wow, so unlike True Blood, it's going to go into the not-killing-favorite-people. Yes, as opposed to True Blood with its endless parade of death. Yes. Oh, hello! It's my favorite character. Oh, dear. Oh, well, no, actually, character. I was thinking oh, of the dear. fact that um, Charlie and Harris killed Lafayette in the first book. Spoiler for a very old book, sorry. But, yeah, Lafayette dies in the first book, and... Uh, in True Blood, Lafayette was such a favorite character that they put somebody else in that role of that dead body. Cool. Um, but yeah, it being vampires and stuff, lots of people die. Vampires and stuff. That should be a genre. It. <laughs> Excuse oh, me. How, do you have this? Have you checked the vampires and stuff section? Come with me. Uh, right up there with crime and such. Mm-hmm. Nonfiction, whatnot. And, you know, that book by that guy. And then the whole area of, you know, it's got a blue cover. Yes. I think there was a film, was Michael Bean in it? 
percentage <laughs> likelihood of that is not high in the last decade or so. so. Although he does, he actually shows up in the last season of The Walking Dead, and he's delightful. He he is an aging cult leader with a room full of dried heads, and he clearly has so much fun. Oh, I would definitely right. But no, I mean, if if you want to find the the, the hope and the, the fact that we are picking our way through the ruins of an industry that has been destroyed by people who didn't realize that perhaps they wouldn't live forever, it's that. We, it's not just that we can survive it and build and build other stuff within it. It's that if we do our jobs right, and we're all amazing people, we're going to do our jobs right. Not all the time. No one does. But we're going to do enough of it that each successive generation that follows us is going to have less to fix. Yeah. This is why I'm probably writing a climate change novel at some point, because no one seems to have done the, if we do it right, everyone will have less to fix thing. And you know, just think mm -hmm. of it as repairing a cathedral the size of a, or building a cathedral the size of a planet. You're going to build like six feet of really exciting stone that's going to look great. Then the next people along are going to build that. And six, seven generations down, someone gets to do a spire. And how cool is that going to be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've reached the end of my topic list. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on, Alistair? <sighs> And while he thinks, I will point out that um, my official job title for Alistair is uh, Electric Monk. <laughs> because um, if you haven't read uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, uh, there's a point where um, a, a time machine goes to a different planet and let, leaves open a door for an electric monk to come through. And electric monks are, you know just a an appliance just like dishwashers wash dishes for you and video cassette recorders watch television for you the electric monk believes things for you so if somebody comes to the door to tell you about their religion or sell the thing you just say you get the monk and put them in the door and they'll just listen and, and nod and be really really into what you're doing and so um whenever i do not whenever i get very down on myself and do not have much of a uh, self-esteem. Alistair always, always makes me look at the bright side or, or the different direction of how I can be approaching something to make it more positive. So this is why he's an electric monk. Oh, thanks, buddy. Sure. It's true. Uh, I, I think that about covers everything I've got. Okay. Well, um, next week... God, what is next week? I guess Matt's coming back. And then the next week is up in the air, but I will be at the beach with Cameron Hurley. So we might do a live stream, but it's going to be like, it won't even be pretty like this. It's going to be like on, on the phone because I'm not, this is a PC that stays here. So I'm not taking it to the beach with me, but um, I'll try to, I can't promise it in, I can't promise, uh, episodes on the last two Mondays of the month, because I'll be out of town. But um, anyway, I am excited to say Numbers Ninja is coming home this week. Yay! And um, hopefully we'll uh, come back to her uh, duties on the moderation, even though you guys are an amazing community and don't give me anything to moderate, really. So, um, 
Yeah. If you want to learn more about me, uh, this has been the podcast Ditch Diggers, and I am Mer Lafferty, and you can find me at merverse.com, where you can find pretty much everything I do, including the books I write, the podcasts I produce and host, and um, the magazine that I co-edit with The Kids Are Asleep in Chat, and Alistair's our boss, because he co-owns uh, uh, Escape Artists, our and you are very, very proud, Papa, this year. Uh, you, you folks have have done us so, so proud. We have Hugo nominations again. Uh, you and Divya are up for best editor short form again. My glorious nonsense, edited by the love of my life, Muggery, is up for best fanzine. We, we, we've got it covered. We, we, I think we, we got Podcastle in best semi prozine as well. It, it's yes, and the Ignite Award, where you got the trifecta. Pseudopod, Podcastle, and Escape Pod are all nominated. We're all yes. in our group chat, like, just... What were they doing? Throwing tacos at each other? I'm not sure, but... Um, are you unaware of the provenance of Team Taco Pulley? I think I am unaware, but you can tell me later. Um, this sounds okay. like it would get really into it. But uh, I'm going to check and see who's online. Alistair, tell us where to find you, or uh, somebody can do exclamation point Alistair with a D in chat. You can get the link to all of his stuff. The best place to find me is probably on Twitter, against every better judgment and instinct I have, which is uh, at Alistair Stewart, which is A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R-S-T-U. A-R-T. Um, the link that's in chat goes to my card, which uh, always makes me smile because that hard R sounds exactly like the Bristolian accent. So, you know, it's like, uh, here is my card, uh, and that will have links to all my other stuff on there. I Twitch stream twice a week, Wednesdays 10 to 12, uh, and Sundays 10 to 12, just the other... So 10.30 to 12.30 in the morning. At uh, the moment in the morning, Marguerite's playing Outer Wilds, which is amazing and weird. And uh, on Wednesdays, we just had a fantastic interview with the staff of Black Tabby Games, who are making the excellent Scarlet Hollow, um, which is just a superb narrative, visual novel narrative horror video game. And this week, we're locking that down at the moment. It looks like we're going to be doing a couple of readings, and then we'll maybe step into another video game in a couple of weeks. Also, this coming Friday, um, our Hugo Award-nominated um, newsletter, The Full Lid, edited by Marguerite and written by me, will go live. I'm still locking in the content as we speak, but at the moment, it's the interstitials between big pieces are tributes to the legendary comic artist George Perez, who recently passed away. The playout is John Oliver taking English food to food court, as it so richly deserves to be. And uh, the big stories are probably going to feature a very good horror movie called Everybody's Going to the World's Fair, <laughs> and one other thing, which I'm in the process of locking down. Okay. Oh, and I have to, I have to do a quick uh, uh, endorsement. Uh, we binged the after party this weekend, and I'm so excited to watch uh, to, to watch it again with Numbers Ninja when she gets home because it is. If you have Apple TV, it is so much fun. It's a murder mystery done with a, uh, a Rashomon style, so you get the story from everybody's point of view, and it uh, stars Tiffany Haddish, and it's delightful, and uh, I, I I absolutely love it. So I'm I'm recommending that. And remember, Al when Alistair said Times, he is on. Uh, British, British time. time, so British time. right. Oh, I'm I'm just looking at the cast for this thing, and my God, I mean, oh yeah, it's got the know. the woman, the uh, the 
demon posing as an Indian woman in uh, The Good Place. It's got her. Uh, ben Schwartz, the voice of Sonic. Yes. Um, the, the, the good Franco, Ike Barinholtz. And my do oh sam richardson's in the thing i'm absolutely gonna gonna watch it if you haven't sam richardson is the star of one of my all-time favorite horror movies which somehow is the adaptation of the ubisoft vr guessing game werewolves within and it bears the tiniest resemblance to the game but it's him as a park ranger who has been stationed in this nowhere little town at the exact point that werewolf attacks start to hit and it is so funny and he is just so inconceivably charming in it i really really hope that dude's career takes off massively because he's great yes it's i i can't recommend it enough it's awesome um as uh, the kids are asleep pointed out thank you kids are asleep space valkyries has just started her stream their stream excuse me and uh we can go raid that so we can do hashtag mer raid throw in an evil mer or a chicken or um any of my emotes val knows so oh good my stream deck's back up so i can actually push a button and have something happen again thank hey, you to job. badger hub for the resub thank you to corvid castle for the follow very much appreciate it um i will be back tomorrow at three with i should be writing i might be talking more about numbers but in more detail I might even share my screen or screenshots, depending. Tell them about the Goodreads thing, man. Oh, fuck. Goodreads. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a Goodreads giveaway for Station Eternity. Is the link available? Can we get it to you in time? I don't know. Oh, no. Ah, thank you, Alistair. You should have said it earlier, though. Goodreads. Hash again, bang Goodreads. Okay. Bang Goodreads. There we go. There's the link if you want to sign up, US only, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to win a copy of Station Eternity, um, sign up at Goodreads because you'll get a galley and you'll get it ahead of everybody else and the rest of us have to wait till October 4th. It's been so long I forget what's in it. But Which is actually my birthday. Your book is coming out on my birthday. That's right. Yes. Anyway, Alistair Stewart, thank you so much for your time and your optimism. Thanks so much for having me on, buddy. It's always a delight. Released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. Our music is from Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com Ditch Diggers! This is a free show that is funded by our patrons. You can help out at patreon.com slash mightymurr.